to another episode of Compelling Conversations with Colleagues. The program is sponsored by the ABA Government and Public Sector Lawyers Division. I'm Katherine Mickelson. Today we have with us Kat Packer. Kat is the Executive Director of the Los Angeles Department of Cannabis Regulation, where she leads implementation of new cannabis regulations being developed by the City Council and City Attorney. Welcome, Kat. Hi, Catherine. How are you doing today? Very well. So, Kat, tell us about the mission of your office. The newly established Department of Cannabis Regulation is responsible for administering the commercial cannabis licensing and regulatory program established by City Council. So we're specifically responsible for issuing all cannabis business licenses in the City of Los Angeles uh, and handling all things cannabis. Uh, in the world's largest cannabis market. Wow. So um, that includes anything cannabis-related, including edibles? Yes. So if you want to uh, start a business where you're either cultivating and growing cannabis or manufacturing a cannabis product, selling cannabis out of a retail store, uh, delivering uh, cannabis, are distributing cannabis in any other way, anything that's considered commercial cannabis activity. And here in the state of California, uh, commercial cannabis activity is uh, specifically distinguished from personal cannabis activity. So when the state of California legalized cannabis uh, back in 2016, they did legalize personal activity so that adults 21 and older can possess and consume personal amounts of cannabis. And what we are primarily responsible for at the Department of Cannabis Regulation our commercial operations and issuing licenses for businesses who seek to engage in those activities. Got it. Got it. Okay. So how big is your staff? So our department at this point uh, is a team of 21. But when I was first appointed by Mayor Eric Garcetti back in the summer of 2017, uh, I started as a department of one. Uh, and I, I started this position the day after I was appointed. And I'm, I'm so happy that I did so because we did not have a single uh, day to spare. Uh, I've spent the last two years staffing up this department, growing it from a department of one uh, to 21, and having uh, a, a team makes a world of a difference. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure that it it's presented some challenges. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but first, can you give us a snapshot of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? I know that might be hard because you're doing probably a bunch of different things, but kind of just generally. I, I like to joke that uh, my my to-do list has 420 entries, uh, but every day is different, which is great. I learn something new every single day. Uh, within this role, we are responsible for uh, engaging directly with members of the public. So a typical day could include me going out to uh, a local neighborhood council and doing a presentation to share with community members uh, what legalization means, what is legal in the city of Los Angeles, how they go about contacting us if they have any concerns or complaints uh, about cannabis activity in their community. There are 15 different council members here in the city of Los Angeles, and uh, part of our responsibility is to connect with and advise uh, each of those 15 different council members uh, on cannabis policy. Uh, and so a typical day could involve a number of meetings with council members, sharing with them uh, updates that are happening at the federal and state level uh, that may uh, necessitate, for example, changes 
at the local level. Uh, because our team started off so small uh, and, and because I enjoy going out to the field and, and getting out of my office as, as much as possible, a typical day could include me going out uh, to uh, any one of the hundreds of, of cannabis facilities uh, that we have in the city of Los Angeles to do an inspection, to meet with the uh, business owner or the business manager to have them walk me through uh, their cultivation facility or their retail facility. Uh, because we have a, a social equity program, which I'm sure we will uh, get into at some point in time in the conversation, uh, a lot of my time is spent engaging with uh, social equity applicants or working with uh, folks who are intending to participate in the social equity program. Uh, but it is a very multifaceted role. Uh, and I enjoy that because it, it, it keeps me on my toes. Absolutely. So how did your background prepare you for this position? So I actually first became interested in drug policy while in law school at The Ohio State University. Uh, I, I uh, attended Ohio State University for my bachelor's in political science and ended up staying on <clears throat> to complete a dual degree which encompassed a master's of public policy and management and a law degree. And while at law school, I had the opportunity to explore how laws and policies, particularly cannabis laws and policies, impacted individuals, families, and communities, and had two experiences in particular that inspired me to seek to participate in the cannabis and in cannabis policy professionally. Uh, first, I had the opportunity to meet Michelle Alexander, uh, the author of The New Jim Crow, who at the time was a professor uh, at Ohio State University. And uh, reading The New Jim Crow and learning how uh, past cannabis policy and its enforcement had been detrimental, uh, particularly to low-income and minority communities of color, and mm -hmm. learning how uh, the drug war fueled mass incarceration and, and the impact that mass incarceration has had on uh, communities, in particular communities of color, uh, really inspired me to, to get into this work. Second, uh, during my last year of law school, I took a marijuana law and policy course taught by Professor Doug Berman, who is now heading up the university's Drug Policy and Enforcement Center. And in this marijuana law and policy course, uh, I had the opportunity to focus on how past cannabis policies uh, and future cannabis policies uh, really could and did impact uh, communities that were, were very important to me. And so I began to truly see cannabis policy as a social justice issue. Uh, and more importantly, I, I think I began to think critically about how I could become involved uh, in rectifying some of the harms of past cannabis policy uh, and being a part of uh, what future and equitable cannabis policy uh, should look like. Uh, mm -hmm. After graduating, uh, I, was, I was convinced that I needed to uh, join the conversation to ensure that legalization or new forms of, of cannabis policy didn't replicate the harms of the past, uh, which led me to connect with the Drug Policy Alliance. You worked there for several years, correct? Yes. Okay, tell so us I, a little about that. So I, uh, 
part of what I, I find to be kind of so interesting at this point in, in hindsight is that I feel like I'm, I'm absolutely supposed to be be doing this work, and I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll tell you a story of, of how I feel like I got pulled into this work after graduating from law school. Uh, while I was in law school taking this marijuana law and policy course, my capstone or my dissertation, the, the, the big paper that I wrote at the end of the year was called uh, Marijuana Policy is Race Policy. And uh, after graduating and, and figuring out that I, I wanted to participate in cannabis policy and trying to look around to see how I could participate, I found out that the Drug Policy Alliance was hosting a one-day strategy session uh, in, uh, ahead of the United Nations having their gathering uh, around uh, drug policy. And their one-day strategy session was called Marijuana Policy is Race Policy. And so... I had convinced myself that I needed to get to this particular conference. Uh, yes. <laughs> that I needed to, th this is exactly what I wanted to do. I needed to connect with people in the room. Uh, and I had convinced myself that I, I was going to use this as an opportunity to springboard into uh, me participating in cannabis policy. And so I printed off a bunch of uh, my resumes. I caught a mega bus to New York. The megabus broke down uh, on the on the way to New York, but I was able to make it to New York safely. And and while I was there, uh, I was just increasingly convinced that uh, this was an organization uh, that I wanted to to work for because we were having uh, we, we shared the same values, we we're having a lot of the same conversations. Uh, and it was at this particular conference that I met a woman by the name of Lynn Lyman, who at the time was the California uh, director of the Drug Policy Alliance. She was the director of the California office. And I connected with her. Uh, and after staying in touch with her for about uh, three or four weeks, uh, she invited me out to interview to serve as the campaign coordinator for Californians for Responsible Marijuana Reform, which was drug policy actions uh, campaign in support of Proposition 64, uh, also known as the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, which is the initiative that actually legalized uh, cannabis in 2016. Uh, so after taking this trip uh, to New York, uh, it, it actually got me a uh, flight to Los Angeles and California. And by the summer of 2016, uh, I was living in Los Angeles, uh, serving as the campaign coordinator for Californians for Responsible Marijuana Reform. So I guess the moral of, the, of that story, for especially for law students, is don't be afraid to network at any kind of, you know, um, conference, bar association event, what have you. Yes, and you, I, I had to take advantage of that opportunity. There, there wasn't a... Uh, there wasn't even a job uh, available. Uh, it was through that conversation that we created this position. Uh, and so uh, I, I would encourage uh, law students or other folks who are, who are trying to figure out uh, how they do what they want to do. Sometimes what you what you want to do does not exist and you, you may have to create it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you did it. it that, that's fantastic. So tell us about how you landed your current position. You were selected by Mayor Garcetti and then approved by the city council, but how did it really come about that, that the mayor selected you? Sure. So through my work as the uh, California campaign coordinator, uh, 
for uh, Californians for Responsible Marijuana Reform, I had an opportunity to engage regularly with local community members and organizations about what legalization could and should mean for them. Our, our office was uh, based here and in Los Angeles. So although we were doing a statewide campaign, most of my day-to-day -day interactions uh, were with folks who uh, call the city of Los Angeles home. Uh, and after Proposition 64 passed, I stayed on with the Drug Policy Alliance to be their uh, California Cannabis Policy Coordinator. Uh, and at that point, Cannabis policy was so nascent uh, in, in the state of California, uh, I quickly uh, became a subject matter expert in what the initiative itself was. As the campaign coordinator, I'd talk all day about what the Adult Use of Marijuana Act was uh, and would have those conversations with community members, with community-based organizations, with uh, industry folks, and, and with elected officials. Uh, and particularly because Los Angeles is the largest city in California, it's the second largest city in the country, uh, and it has a strong history and culture uh, of cannabis here, a good portion of my work uh, was focused on attempting to shape attitudes and policies uh, in the city of Los Angeles. At the time that the state of California had passed adult use cannabis, uh, the city of Los Angeles uh, and transparency just seemed unprepared for what legalization was going to mean. Uh, for example, although the state of California had had med medical cannabis since 96, the city of Los Angeles never legally recognized medical cannabis operators, and there just seemed to be a lack of enthusiasm around tackling the complexity uh, that, that is cannabis and cannabis policy. And after months and months of engaging with policymakers and uh, local elected officials and, and asking them uh, in true sincerity uh, what they were going to do to prepare for legalization in the world's largest cannabis market, I got a call from the mayor's chief of staff letting me know that the city was going to create a new department to take on this responsibility and that I was being considered for the role. Uh, I did not believe it at first. <laughs> Funny. Um, so then you interviewed and I, I guess made a good impression on Mayor Garcetti and the rest is history. Yes, I mean, I, I uh, it, it feels like a, a, a very seamless transition at this point. I'm sure uh, in, in those moments, I had no idea what I was actually getting myself into. Uh, <laughs> I, I had no idea what what I was getting myself into, but I was convinced that uh, cannabis policy was was our responsibility, and that someone needed to uh, take up uh, take up this as their own personal uh, responsibility. And I knew that uh, if it wasn't me doing it, I'd be uh, yelling uh, and and confronting the powers that be. Uh, and so. I got a chance to uh, take on this responsibility head on, and it's been an amazing opportunity to, to be able to uh, serve in this role. But it is very complex, it's very challenging, uh, and it takes leadership every single day uh, yeah. to move the conversation forward. So talk to us a little bit about some of those challenges. Now, some of it may be because you're the you're you're kind of spearheading this as the first executive director, and some of it may be just because this is um, 
such a complicated area of law. So talk to talk to us a little about some of the challenges challenges that you face. In this responsibility, uh, in its role, any challenge that anyone in the city of LA has with cannabis becomes my challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cannabis is not new to the city of Los Angeles, but because of past cannabis policies and the way that we even talked about cannabis, uh, there just was a void uh, in, in information and resources and services uh, that were really crafted to manage what cannabis means uh, for uh, a community. And so when I say that uh, anyone in the, in the city uh, who has a challenge becomes my challenge, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, if someone is concerned uh, that there is an illegal uh, cannabis facility. Uh, that becomes my challenge, not because the Department of Cannabis Regulation is specifically responsible for enforcing against the illegal operators, uh, but that's that's part of our responsibility uh, is to engage with community members to to let them know that there is an entity uh, who will connect with them, who will receive their complaints, who will share their complaints uh, with the proper law enforcement authority. Uh, if your challenge in the city of Los Angeles is starting a cannabis business, uh, that's my challenge as well. Uh, we had to uh, not only build and, and retain staff and train staff to be able to administer this very complex uh, licensing process, but we then have to uh, create educational materials so that our applicants and folks who are going through this process uh, can can actually navigate uh, what is, whether we're talking about federal, state, county, uh, local is a myriad of, of, of policies uh, that can be very challenging to, to understand, let alone uh, navigate uh, and try and operate a, a living and breathing business. Uh, and so it, it's on one hand, it's a challenge of infrastructure and coordinating within the city. Uh, again, there are 15 different city council members. We have uh, one mayor. There are 96 uh, neighborhood councils, uh, a city of 4 million people. Uh, and we're doing this for the first time. And so whether it be connecting with folks who have questions or just trying to shift and shake policy or deal with frustrations uh, that folks have, uh, there's a, a new challenge uh, every single day, uh, but that means that there are, there are new opportunities uh, every single day as well. So I've learned in this role to uh, take those challenges and opportunities one day at a time, uh, to continue to to make progress and, and move forward. Uh, and I think part of the, the challenge in transparency as well is that because we're the first uh, and because we're such a large uh, and prominent uh, jurisdiction that's stepping into this conversation, uh, you know, despite uh, a landscape of, of uh, federal illegality, there are a lot of eyes uh, on what we're doing uh, and people are constantly uh, calling and saying, how are you doing this? I'm, I'm in constant conversation with other regulators uh, across the United States and out of the United States because we're all trying to figure this out for the first time. Uh, we're, we're not at a point where we can say, yes, we've identified uh, exactly what best practices are. Uh, it, it's very difficult to forecast uh, what this is going to look like five, ten years from now uh, because there was such an absence of activity uh, for years. Uh, we're, we're having to both catch up and lead this conversation, and that can be uh, very difficult, uh, but I, I uh, am encouraged uh, by 
the opportunity that exists in, in doing something for the first time and being able to uh, chalk the field uh, for folks who come after. Very good. Um, so what's the best thing about your your job right now? The best thing about my job, I, I mean, I, I love engaging with people. I'm a very uh, social person, and within this role, uh, I, I get to uh, problem solve every single day and connect directly uh, with community members. I think that one of the things that's been uh, at least most inspiring for me, one of the things that I'm most proud of uh, is because of uh, where we are in the city of Los Angeles, because of the impact that cannabis policies have had on low income and minority communities here. Uh, I was able to uh, work directly with city council and the mayor to uh, ensure that we passed a social equity program, uh, a program to ensure that communities impacted by past cannabis policies have access uh, to the legal industry uh, and to secure resources for those communities uh, but even beyond uh, the kind of technical and programmatic pieces of the social equity program, uh, I have been inspired by uh, the individuals and, and community members who I meet every single day, uh, who engage with us as a, a department, who engage with the city, uh, who seek to hold uh, folks accountable. And these are communities who, uh, and individuals who have probably never uh, prior to uh, prior to cannabis being a part of the conversation, they probably never showed up to a city council meeting. Uh, they probably never called their, their council member, uh, but people are learning how to participate uh, in public policy uh, through the development and implementation of our programs. Uh, and, and that is just, that, that in itself is amazing to me. I'm, I'm seeing communities uh, uh, lead this conversation, uh, and and I think that that's what we want uh, to see happen. Kat, could you explain a little bit more about what the social equity program is all about? Sure. So, the city of Los Angeles has acknowledged that past cannabis policies have been detrimental to low-income and minority communities. And the city of Los Angeles is one of the few jurisdictions in the United States attempting to address that harm uh, and the inequities of that harm by developing and implementing cannabis policies that seek to center equity in uh, cannabis policy reform. The goal of the social equity program is to promote equitable ownership and employment opportunities in the cannabis industry in order to decrease disparities in life outcomes for marginalized communities and to attempt to address the harms of the war on drugs. Uh, part of what we've done in the development of the social equity program is to create a number of mechanisms to try and allow these individuals, uh, individuals who, who meet criteria uh, that they may have been impacted by the drug war to, to get access to licensure, to be able to keep and retain uh, their license, and we imagine uh, that through our social equity program, we will have hundreds of social equity applicants, uh, folks who had been impacted by past cannabis policies, uh, being able to participate in the legal industry uh, and hopefully be able to participate in the economic opportunity that comes with legalization. Very good. Um, Kat, what is your proudest work-related accomplishment so far? It doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be um, 
in your current role as executive director? I think that uh, my my proudest moment uh, is is it's I, I think it's a compilation. Uh, it's a, it's a series. It's, it's probably just the the. Uh, a, I've convinced myself that within this role, uh, we have a great responsibility uh, to, to, to the communities uh, that we serve. Uh, and I have been uncompromising uh, in, in my uh, attempts to uh, center equity in this conversation. Uh, equity is, is something that uh, not everybody uh, understands or, or uh, recognizes its importance. Uh, but it's something that we center in everything that we do here at the Department of Cannabis Regulation. Uh, and uh, being able to step into this role and to take this responsibility uh, so seriously, I've been able to connect with uh, so many different uh, young people and, and communities uh, who are actively encouraged that they can uh, do the same thing or do something similar uh, and, and really change the way uh, that government, uh, particularly local government, uh, engages with community. And so I, I am inspired uh, by my, my regular engagement uh, with, with folks who are trying to uh, support our efforts. Uh, this is work that does not get uh, accomplished overnight, uh, but part of what we're doing here is, is pouring concrete uh, and you know, people will will follow the the models and the trails we blaze. So we're trying to be as intentional uh, as possible, and uh, that that's that's everyday leadership, not necessarily uh, one particular accomplishment. Right. So since cannabis is so new and such an emerging area, what advice would you give to a law student who's interested in this area of law? This is, I actually think that this is a great time uh, for law students uh, and young professionals to enter into the space uh, because I was able to fill a void because there wasn't uh, much subject matter expertise uh, in the room because there were many folks, many uh, elected officials who just wanted nothing to, to do with cannabis. Uh, so if you become the person who wants something to do with cannabis and can develop uh, subject matter expertise, I think that there is a uh, strong opportunity for folks to be successful in this field. One of the other things that uh, I would uh, advise to, to folks who are participating in this space or who are interested in participating in this space, in this space uh, is that cannabis policy and, and cannabis law reform is very intersectional. Uh, and so through cannabis policy, I'm able to engage on health policy and public safety policy. Uh, and uh, economic development mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and administrative law. And so there are all of these different pieces like zoning and property law. Uh, it, it's very intersectional. It's very dynamic. Uh, and so I think that there are ways to bring a number of different uh, passions or interests into cannabis policy and uh, allow that to translate uh, into not only a, a, a successful career, but in, in one that will keep you on your toes uh, and uh, I think is, is very worthwhile as we, again, shape what this is going to look like uh, for everyone else who, who comes after. Yeah, uh, that's interesting that you, that you um, characterize it as intersectional, but I can see it touches on all these different, very different areas of the law. So that's 
that's fascinating to me. So here is the last question. Kat, if you could have dinner with three lawyers you do not know, they could be dead or alive, who would you pick? Hmm. I think I'd have to say the Obamas. Uh, I'll take, right. I'll, I'll, I'll use those, as those, those, uh, the Obamas as two out of my three. And then my third, maybe Barbara Jordan. Oh, wow. Yep. Good pick. Barbara Jordan. Yep. She was dynamic and she probably has a million great war stories. <laughs> yes. Those Very will be good. my three. Great. Well, that is all the time we have today. Thank you, Kat, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you want to learn more about the ABA's Government and Public Sector Lawyers Division, go to www.governmentlawyer.org.